kick the devil in the teeth today. And if that's a little too harsh for you, I'm sorry, but that's what I'm going to do. It's such an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to minister. We have, and I, and I said this the other night, when last week, a week and a half ago, when I was doing Wednesday nights, we were being so blessed being a part of this church. And uh, we're so thankful for the friendships and, and allowing us to be a part of this great congregation. And, and we just love it. And I'm so happy to have our middle son with us, Mesa. He's a tall, curly-haired kid in the back, in the middle. And uh, so proud of him. He's a freshman at Indiana Tech. And uh, he was home for the week. But he was home for the week, and we were at a youth conference for the week, so we didn't really get to hang out with him. But he came by, and we was here to hear me preach, and then we get to go have some lunch with him and spend the afternoon with him before he goes back to college. But we're excited and honored to have him today, and I just want him to know I'm proud of him and I love him, what, what he's doing. He helps uh, Brother Jeremy Baines uh, up in Fort Wayne, and he's part of their media team, and he's, he's up there doing the work of the Lord behind the scenes. We're just proud of him. I love him. So uh, thank you for everybody who shook his hand and introduced yourself to him. I know uh, he'll be around eventually some point in time between now and then, but so honored to have him. First Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. If you do not know this story, I want to welcome you to your very first church service. I think when you get, when God calls you to the ministry, I think there's a clause in here that you've got to preach on this every so often. Or you lose your, your ability to preach. But I'm going to preach a very familiar story. But this is something God has laid upon my heart. And uh, we're just going to see what God's going to do. Amen. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah in Ephesdeum. And Saul, the men of Israel, were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set their battle in array against the Philistines. This is the beginning of probably the most familiar chapter in the Bible. This story is accepted even in the world's view, David versus Goliath. But it tells us that the Philistine army was between Shoko and Ezekiah. It tells us that the army of Israel was set on the other side of the Valley of Elah and the battle took place in the Battle of Elah. So I'm going to talk to us for just a few minutes and God's going to do amazing work today. I already feel it, I know it. I'm going to talk to us about even in the valley even in the valley. Leave, lay your Bibles down, lift up your hands, and ask God to bless us one more time. God, we love you, we praise you, and lift you up. We ask you, Lord, just to move in this place today. Help me, God, to be a vessel meet for the master's use. Allow me to speak your words and your message to your church. Help us to receive the word, take it to heart. God, know that you are our God. But God, let us do our best to get out of our way and let you do what you do best, and that is be our God. I thank you for what you're about to release in this place today. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for standing, maybe seated. Brother Fairley, thank you for this morning's service. It was great. It was great to meet you. We had a wonderful, I love, I love preaching and just storytelling. I love that. Kind of slow down and just kind of, kind of catch the whole picture. Thank you for that word today. 
This is a very famous story. But I believe that there are times that the situation and the, the geography of the situation gets lost because Shoko and Ezekiel were, very, were two very important cities to the kingdom of Israel. Shoko and Ezekiel were military strongholds. These two cities were on the west, southwest side of the kingdom of Israel and their sole job was to protect that side of the kingdom. But it tells us in verse 1, that the Philistine army had gathered their army to battle in the valley and they were stretched from Soko to Azekah, which tells us that the Philistine army had went through both of those military strongholds and had defeated those two areas. I do not believe, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag real early, but I do not believe that it is a coincidence that the enemy took out these two towns and these two towns were were uh, the towns that belonged to Judah. If you've ever been to church any length of time, you'll know that Judah means praise and Judah means worship. But the goal of the enemy was not just to take out the towns that belonged to Judah, but their goal was to take out Jerusalem. So maybe I just need to do the altar call right now, but I'm going to tell you right now, the goal of the enemy is to first take out your praise and worship and then destroy the heart of it. See, Jerusalem was the heart of Israel. Jerusalem was the heart of God's children. And the goal of the enemy was not just to overtake Jerusalem, but to steal it. The enemy is here today, and the enemy has been fighting you every day because the goal is not just to take your hand clapping or your singing, but the goal is to destroy your heart. You can't live without your heart. You can fake your praise, but you can't live without Jesus if you don't have a heart for God. You can't do what God wants you to do if you don't have the heart to do it. You can stand up, and I'm going to tell you right now, the minute pastor knows when you're faking your praise. But you can stand up and clap when you don't want to. You can say amen when you don't want to. You can lift your hands if you don't want to. But you don't pray when you don't want to. You don't fast when you don't want to. You don't come to church when you don't want to. You don't live holy and righteous when you don't want to. And that's not a praise issue. That's a heart issue. So if the enemy can get to your heart, the enemy can defeat you. So off the top, I want to let you know that you're in that valley right now when you're having a battle right now. And it's good that you're fighting in the valley because when you're in the valley, you're protecting your heart. The enemy is after the heart, not just your praise and worship. The enemy doesn't want you just to sit in the pew and be quiet. The enemy doesn't want you to have a heart for God, heart to live for God, to worship God, to give your life to God. He, just, he doesn't care if you sit in the pew as long as you don't have the heart for God. So I believe the story of David versus Goliath is very important because of what it represents. These men met in the valley of Elah for the sole purpose to protect the heart of Israel, to protect Jerusalem. They knew if they, the enemy was to get through the valley of Elah and through the army of Israel that they were going to get to the heart of Jerusalem and there was nothing that they could do about it. So they met in the valley of Elah. They met there and, and you have the 
the Philistine army on one side and the army of Israel on the other side, but unfortunately something started to happen in the children and the army of Israel because fear started to set in. Every day the Philistine armies would send out this big guy named Goliath and he would stand there and he would, he would chastise the armies of Israel and he would go after them and say, who is there a man that could, that could stand up and fight me? Who is brave enough or strong enough or who is silly enough or even crazy enough to stand before the enemy? The enemy is not just coming after us. The enemy is mocking us. The enemy, this world is mocking the church, is mocking the children of God and said, who is brave enough to pray against me? Uh, who is willing to stand against me? Who is willing to live against me? Come on, church. I need somebody that is going to be willing to stand against the world. I need somebody that is saying, I don't care what the world says. I'm going to live right. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to preach and teach right. I'm going to teach my children right. I'm going to live right. I don't care what the mega churches say or what that, that charismatic preacher says. Holiness is still right. One God apostolic is still right. My Bible preaches it, and that's what I'm going to live. I'm going to take a stand against this world. But as we get going, you will find that the children and the army, these men that, that said, I will give my life to protect the king, and I will give my life to protect God's chosen children, they were standing there day after day afraid of what could happen. They, they didn't know what would happen, but they had in their mind what could happen. Well, if we stand up against this giant, what could happen? What could happen is that I could die. If we go out there, we could die. I can lose, but, but there was never if I stand up there in the name of the Lord God, what could happen? If I stand there understanding that I, I am standing, I am a God-chosen child and, and I'm standing to protect God's children and, and I'm standing to protect God's chosen land, if I go in the name of God, what could happen? They just saw the negative. They just saw what was going on or what could happen. But we must understand that there is something special about being God's chosen people. So as we go further into this story, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we know about a man, there's this young boy named David. What was crazy was David had no part of this war. David had no, he was not a soldier. He was not a man of war. He didn't have his own armor. He, he didn't have any of this. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He was door dashing his, some food to his brothers. He was a delivery boy. All he was there was give some cheese and bread to his brothers who were supposed to fight. But I love David's attitude, and this is the attitude that we need to have as a church because when you get to 1 Samuel 17 and 26, and David spake unto the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defile the armies of the living God. David's attitude was not, what will happen if I go out there to fight this giant? What will happen if I go out and, and, and stand against him? Or what will something, will you die if you go out there? Will I die if I go out there? His mindset is what will happen if I kill the Philistine that taketh away the reproach of Israel. David's mindset was not a personal or even a carnal mindset. 
But he knew that even though there was an army that was standing that he could physically see and physically touch, that there was a supernatural battle going on between good and evil. He knew that if the Philistine army was to go out there, not just that Bob and Joe and Bill and Sally and, and Susie were going to be destroyed, but he knew that God's children was going to be destroyed. He Come on, we got to understand that there is something bigger going on in this atmosphere. There's something a whole lot worse that is standing up against us that we got to stand up and fight for. Just We can't let the enemy just get away because we don't think that there's something big going on. But there's a battle going on in the supernatural as well as the natural. There's something going on in the supernatural. And you may live to be 150, but my God, if you ever let the enemy kill you in the supernatural, you'll die a slow death and you'll burn in hell. But I'm telling you, there's a way that we can make heaven our home. You just got to be willing to go out and fight. The army of Israel saw an army, and they saw a giant. But David saw something deeper and something even worse because he saw an enemy that was trying to destroy God's people. We need to get over. Well, they used to come here, but they've backslidden. Whoa. Oh, well. We got to understand that every battle that is going on with our brothers and sisters is not just a natural war. It is not just a physical war, but there is a supernatural war that is being attached to it. Because, yes, the Philistine army could have attacked Israel at any point in time. I believe they would have overtaken Israel. If they'd overtaken Israel, then Israel would have fallen. And we're not standing here talking about the greatness of God today. But I'm telling you right now, it was something deeper going on because this was a heaven or hell issue with some people. But David saw that there was a greater army than even the Philistine army was standing there to Israel. And while he was standing there, he knew that there was something greater going on because this wasn't going to just lose and go back and lick your wounds and build up another day. But David, not even being a part of this war, knew in his spirit that if they lost this war to the Philistine, there was going to be no more Israel. That sounds like today's war, ain't it? We'll preach that another day. I love what David said because David had been through some battles on his own. We all know these stories. This isn't anything new to anybody, but David, see, God had brought David through some things. We need to have an understanding in our minds that how many times have we said, I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. This is too tough. I, I don't know, God, I don't know if I can make it through this test of trial anymore. But now we're standing here facing a new trial because God brought us out of the old trial. But watch what, Sam, what David said, 1 Samuel 36, 17, 36 to 37. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. I've been through some troubles or trials in my life. There's some times I've been down. I've dealt with anxiety. I, I've dealt with fear. I've dealt with depression. And, and there have been times I've been praying, God, if I don't hear you now, I'm never going to hear you. If I can't make it, I, if you can't get me through this situation, if you can't heal my kid, if you can't bless my job, God, if I don't see you or feel you, I don't know if I ever will. And the next thing I know, before I even get to thinking about it and I, and I get to dwelling on it, I'm facing something else, and all of a sudden God says, hey, don't you remember? 
That last time you told me you couldn't do this anymore, here you are fighting another battle because I brought you through the last one. And if you trust me enough, I'll bring you through the other one. So when they got to the lion, David said, I don't know if I can defeat this lion. But he ran up on that lion and he got the lion and the sheep out. And when that bear came through, that he said, you know what, God? If you help me with the lion, I know you're going to help me with this bear. And I don't think David struggled so much with that bear because he knew if God took him through the lion, he'll take him through the bear when he should. And he saw this man named Goliath, and he stood and said, who's going to kill this Philistine? He was in line with the lion and the bear. I believe David said, God, you brought me through the lion, and you helped me with the bear. I don't see this man as being greater. We need to stop turning things greater than what they are. David said, God, you brought me through a couple trials. I know you're going to bring me through this one. And then when he was speaking to the king, he said, King, you need to be out there with everybody else because you need to be leading this army. But since you're afraid and everybody else is afraid, I'm going to tell you that my God gave me the lion and he gave me the bear and he'll take care of this Philistine army because I believe in my God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the hand, the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hands of the Philistine." And Saul said unto David, Go, and thy Lord be with me. We need to have an understanding that every morning when you wake up, you need to say, God, you brought me through my battle yesterday. You're going to bring me through my battle today. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you need to say, God, you brought me through my battle yesterday. I'm going to go through my battle today. That way when the devil rears his ugly head at you, you don't get caught off guard. You don't get weak. You're not worried. You're just ready for the enemy to come up. Because when you're ready for the enemy to attack, the enemy cannot overtake you. When you're ready to battle, the enemy can't overtake you and defeat you. Because when you're ready to attack, Church, we need to stop being on the defensive and start getting on the offensive. We get so caught up on end times and when is Jesus coming back? When is Jesus coming back? But we must understand the devil knows the day and hour just like God does. And I'm telling you, he is not going to give up. And if he knows the time is drawing near, he's not going to say, well, I'm running out of time. I might as well give up. He says, I'm going to throw everything I have at you. So just because you believe you're going to make heaven your home, I'm going to hurt somebody's feeling. But just because, just because you think you're going to make heaven your home doesn't mean the enemy is not going to fight you. Just because you have baptized filled with the Holy Ghost and you spoke in tongues 10 minutes ago or 15 minutes ago doesn't mean the enemy is not going to attack you when you walk out of here this afternoon. Because the enemy is never going to stop attacking you until you walk on streets of gold. But until you walk on streets of gold and we have that victory parade, when we get on the other side of yonder, it's a battle day. And it's a battle tomorrow. And it's a battle after that. Because every day is a fight. Because the enemy is not going to give up on trying to destroy you. I'm about to start preaching here in a minute. As the army stood... The army of Israel was standing under the authority of King Saul. But David, not being a part of the military, was under the authority of a greater king. He didn't have to listen to Saul. He didn't have to worry about what Saul said. Because he knew there was something greater and he was standing under the authority of a greater king. So as the story goes on, we know that David tried on king, that king Saul's 
uh, uniform or his, his, his armor and all of that, and he had his sword, and he said, no, I've not proven this. This isn't mine. He went out with what he had. But what was crazy was David was surrounded by thousands of warriors, men of God, mighty men of valor, men that dedicated their life, willing to die for the cause to protect Israel and King Saul. But they were so taken over in fear that David went out to the battlefield with nothing but a slingshot of rocks in the name of the Lord God. We must understand, folks, there are some battles that our brothers and sisters cannot fight for us. There are some walks we got to take that nobody can walk with us. Because it was David in the Psalms that, hey, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. There wasn't, there wasn't five men with David. There wasn't 5,000 men with David. They were hiding behind rocks and behind trees. But David said, there was a battle that I must take. There's a battle I must go after. Because I am not afraid, but I am with the Lord God and he is with me. So I'm going to go out here. And if I lose my life, I lose my life in glory in the name of the Lord. But I'm going to fight. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow fear to overtake me. Because this is something God has brought me here for. David was standing before this giant. Giant nine and a half feet tall. David estimated around five, five, four, somewhere in that area. There was a big difference. David was very positive that God was going to do something. How positive are we? David knew that if he walked by faith that God would meet him in his faith. Are we so full of faith? We see that David walked down to the, to the field, and actually I'm getting ready to go to my altar call in about 10 minutes. And I love this, because David was standing there. 1 Samuel 17 and 45, Then David said unto the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and a shield, but I come to you thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. To start up my altar call. I've never done an altar call this fast and this long. But watch this. David was prolific with a slingshot. Historians and, and, and Hebrew writers believe that he could have, on days, used up to a thousand rocks sitting out in the field with a sheep. You had nothing to do. If you had him in a safe spot, you'd watch for coyotes or you'd watch for wolves and maybe you'd take a rock and throw him if a Something was there. But David had nothing to do day after day, week after week that he was out with the flock but work on his slingshot. That's why in the story, and I didn't read this, but the Bible says that he walks down to a brook and he, and he goes to the river and he, he grabs five smooth stones. They will tell you, and even to this day, those that are prolific with a slingshot will tell you that smooth stones fly straighter and further than jagged rocks. So in the historian's writings, they will tell you that they tried small rocks, big rocks, round rocks, oval rocks, egg-shaped rocks, all different types of rocks. Spent hours. Oh, here's a good rock. Have you ever skipped rocks on a, by the riverbank or at a creek? You know. You find you a good rock, okay? So David was prolific. David, count, I, I'm, I'm going to assume, and I know it's wrong to assume, I'm assuming countless little critters was under attack by David. David see a rabbit running across the field. He probably whacked it with a slingshot. He probably got pretty good. 
Because when you went out with the field, young people, you may not know this. When you go out to the field with the sheep, sometimes you're out there for days and even weeks. So David had to eat. You can't eat the sheep. So my guess was David was shooting a slingshot, and he was just hitting little vermin, little critters, just for something to eat, get practice. But he was prolific. David may have been the greatest slingshot shooter in the history of mankind. I don't know. That's my thought. But he could have been. But he's standing in front of the biggest giant there was, and he had his weapons in his hand. He had the slingshot, and he had his rocks. And he told the giant, giant, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and a shield. But he didn't say anything about being prolific about the slingshot. He didn't say anything about having to spy five smooth stones. But when he first went to the giant, he said, giant, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the army of Israel. Because David, well, I don't know if David was so confident by his slingshot or not. But even though David was prolific, he said, I know something even greater than the rocks in my pocket. I know something even greater than the slingshot in my hand. I'm telling you right now, you may be able to sing with the best of them. You may be able to play with the best of them. But there is still a God that when you call upon the name of the Lord, he is greater than what you can ever do. He is greater than what you could ever give to your enemy. David said, I don't know if my slingshot will work. I don't know if these rocks are good enough, but I'm going to go to my giant, and I'm going to stand before my giant and say, giant, I've got something that will never leave me nor forsaken me. I will never... I'm going to give you something that has never lost a battle and never will because I don't care about the rocks. I don't care about the slingshot. I care about God. And when you come to your giant today, you need to tell the giant, I don't come to you with the song and with the music, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of God because he is victorious. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, you will always have victory. When you come at the name of the Lord, it doesn't matter how big your giant is. It doesn't matter how strong your giant is. He will be defeated because your giant cannot overtake your God. Come on. Since we don't need no music right now, we need some shouting right now. We need to understand that your victory is not what's in your hand. Your victory is what's in your heart. Your victory is not in your shout. Your victory is who you shouting to. Who are you proclaiming? Because David found his victory when even in the valley, even when the darkest moments of his life, he's facing death eye to eye, face to face. He said, I may not make this through, but I'm still going to proclaim my God. You get in the valley, you get distracted. You get in the valley, you get depressed. You get in the valley, and you get worried, and you so worry you can't worship. I'm here to tell you that God is still with you in the valley. He wasn't with he wasn't with David after the victory. He wasn't with David on the side of the mountain when he picked up those rocks. But when David was in the midst of the valley, and David was in the fight in the biggest battle of his life, God was still with him. All David had to do was proclaim the name of God. I'm here to tell you, the stone that the builders rejected, the name that is above every name, is still here. All you got to do is look your giant in the eye and say depression, anxieties, fear, I need somebody to understand that there's victory even in the valley.
You want to wait till everything's perfect to worship God. You better do it in the valley because the devil will overtake you in the valley. The devil don't touch you in the mountain. He gets you in the valley. But your battles, his, you can overcome your battles when all you do is claim the name of Jesus. We're about to cut loose. I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip through some things. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. You got to be willing to proclaim Jesus. I'm opening up these altars right now, but listen. Pastor, I hope you love me. I do not want you to come up here and pray to God. I'm going to connect. He said, Matthew 17 and 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, verily I say unto you, If you have faith of a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain. David, David didn't stand before his giant and start praying to God. David spoke to the giant. When you come to this altar, or you're back at your pew, Brother Bailey, I don't want you saying, Oh, God, bless my giant. Take care of him. I want you to talk to your giant. And say, giant. We get, we get so busy praying to God about our problems. We, we, we got to go to our problems and talk to them about our God. You talking about a holy boldness, it's fine to go to God about some things. But are you bold enough to, to, go, to, your, to go to your devils? Are you strong enough to go to your giants and say, giant, be thou removed, mountain, thou removed. Come on. We got to start talking to the enemy. And we need... I need some... Come on. I believe there's a shout of victory going on. But it's... The devil don't care if you're singing in the camp. The devil cares that you're on the battlefield. Are you willing to shout in the eyes and in the presence of your giant? Are you willing to stand there and not just pray to God, but tell your giant that God is going to defeat him? That's all David was. David wasn't, it wasn't about David. It was about God and about the enemy. David was just a mouthpiece in the hands and the arms that God used. I'm telling you right now, if you want to have victory today, if you want to have solid, well, come on. Because when David proclaimed God, he didn't just knock the giant down. He took the giant sword and cut his head off. And you know what? You never heard of Goliath. I know I've thrown y'all off. I said, don't talk to Jesus. Y'all done, done lost you guys. But listen. We need to have a mindset. You need to stop getting in your car. You need to stop talking to your brothers and sisters about the issues going on in your life. You've got to have enough faith that if you speak to your giant and you speak to your problems and you speak to your situations, you need to have enough faith that you're going in the name of the Lord God and that he's got your back. Stop worried if God's on your side and believe he's on your side. And get enough Holy Ghost boldness to speak to your giants. Devil, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of depression and anxiety right now. 
Come on, start speaking to your mountain right now. Say, mountain, in the name of Jesus, be thou removed. Tell your giant, giant, you come me, come at me, whatever you got, but I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, don't just claim your victory, but take your victory. Don't just talk about it. Tell the devil about it. Moan, it's time to pull it up or shut up. I know it's hard when you're in the valley. You don't see the outcome. I know it's hard in the valley, and some of you have been in the valley for so long that you, you're just so used to it. It's natural for you to be in a valley, and you don't know what it's like to be on a mountaintop anymore, but I'm telling you, there's still a battle going on, and you've got to keep fighting. You'll never get to the mountaintop if you don't fight in the valley. You'll never have your victory if you don't have your victory in the valley first. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes, 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 yes. No, no, no.